Hello listeners, I am Scribe Sports Editor Paul Zarnicki, and welcome to the first episode of Colorado Sports, a podcast dedicated to covering all sports within the University of Colorado, its branches, and professional sports from inside the Denver area. I hope everyone is having a good day. As I said, I am Paul Zarnicki, and uh, I'm very excited. I'm finally able, I was given a platform to display my thoughts about how you know, collegiate sports and professional sports are able to be played and what you can expect from them in the seasons and what you're what I'm seeing from them right now. And um, it's it's very reassuring to know that after I've tried a lot of podcasts, um, a lot, a lot of professional podcasts, I'm finally being able to give a platform that I know people are going to listen to. They're going to appreciate my thoughts. And I just can't be more thankful for that. But Enough of that. I am excited to share my thoughts on how the University of Colorado Boulder, University of Colorado Denver, and our University of Colorado Colorado Springs Mountain Lions have been performing in athletics this season. Now, I think as a sports editor and going to cover the games as a journalist or reporter, it's very interesting to see when you get up close how players and coaches react and how the game is being played from an inside level rather than a fan watching from the stands. So I am very excited to share what I've been seeing. There is a fair warning. This podcast will be somewhat opinionated from what I'm hearing and what I'm seeing from the game. So there might be some subtle disagreements between me and you, the listener. But overall, it's all in good fun. I'm just here to sort of be that informative voice telling you what you can expect from sports as we go on in the spring, go into the summer, and eventually go into the fall next semester. But as we reach the two-minute mark, I will be starting with the University of Colorado Boulder men's and women's basketball teams. We are going to start with the men's basketball team because there is a lot to say about how the Colorado Buffaloes have been playing uh, collegiate basketball this year. One thing that we will have to touch up on is how well they performed last year. Uh, They were the five seed in March Madness. They did not win the Pac-12 tournament. Uh, They didn't even really lose to a top-tier team. UCLA eventually made the Final Four in the Pac-12, going from first four to Final Four. Shout out to Johnny Juzang and company for beating teams like Michigan, you know, going as far as they can before, unfortunately, dropping it to... um, a very talented team in Gonzaga. Now, what we are going to be talking about today is how Colorado was able to perform this season, which I got to be as honest as possible when I'm doing this podcast. Hasn't been terrific, but you do have to realize that they are losing a lot of their key players, whether it's McKinley Wright due to the draft, who is now, I believe, playing for the Minnesota Timberwolves G League team after going undrafted and playing summer league with them. McKinley Wright was a senior, averaged 20 a game last year, and was the main scoring option. I mean, you had other players that they could look to go to, uh, one player being Dalen Kuntz, who did transfer to the University of Northern Colorado, who is who are having a terrific season in the big sky. They're third in the big sky, trailing Weber State, and if they had just beaten Sacramento State the other day, they definitely would have had a chance in my mind to make the Big Sky Tournament 
and have a good seating and enough to maybe take the conference away from Weber State, but they're in kind of a tough position. As for the Buffaloes, though, right now they're being led by four Jabari Walker. He's averaging 13.8 points per game and eight rebounds a game on 46% shooting, and he has the most potential out of anyone on this team and that does show as he is planning on entering the NBA draft by mock draft websites and he will be a prospect that I'm sure will be heavily pursued based on his game he's a good inside forward he's sort of the core that is being is replacing I would say uh Deshaun Schwartz um he's the guy that's going to come in there and be the stopgap player get in the post uh, get inside and figure out a way to move around the bigs and hit those tough shots. And he's done a pretty good job of that this year. Um, outside of Jabari Walker, of course, we have Evan Batty, who has been here for all four seasons with the Colorado Buffaloes, and he's averaging nearly 12 points a game and five rebounds. Uh, on 50% shooting, that is leading the team. It's a team-high 50.8% from the field. He's also shooting 45% from three, which is terrific because stretch fours, I think, are really valuable in, especially in college sports, because when you're looking at an NBA prospect, someone that can go pro or someone that can go international and work their way through, you need someone that can stretch the floor. You need someone that can figure out a way to shoot the lights out as well as get inside, dominate the bigs and, th and dunk. That's, that's extremely valuable. And as for the third of the four-headed monster, I would say, Keyshawn Bar uh, Bartholomew. He's a sophomore guard who's averaging 10, 3, and 2 on 40% shooting for the Buffaloes. And he's had his moments. I think he's been flashy. Um, definitely Keyshawn Bartholomew has great performances when going up against subpar teams. And that's probably for all of these guys. But you'll notice that he's going to be the one that make sure that you beat these teams because it's very easy to get ahead of yourself when you're the Colorado Buffaloes and you're going up against a team like Washington or Washington State. The Buffaloes lost both of those games. They probably shouldn't have, but they lost both of those games. But Bartholomew had pretty good game because what you're, what you're noticing is that when you have to go up against subpar teams or, or teams that are worse than you, you have to make sure that you win those games. Because it's easy to lose games against good teams, but it's also much easier to lose those games against bad teams if you don't pay attention and you don't stay and you're, and you're not careful. Outside of those three, we have Tristan Da Silva, a sophomore from Munich, Germany, 6'10", averaging 9 points on 3.4 rebounds, 45% shooting. He's also been pretty good in the past four games. Since the 15th, he's had an 11, 10, 10, and 15-point games in his last four matches. He's been shooting extremely well from three. He's gone 60, 66, and 66 in three of those games. Uh, his only bad game would probably be against the UCLA Bruins, turning the ball over six times. Four fouls, no defensive stats. Those are the big four players for the Colorado Buffaloes. And it's easy to sit back and say, all right, well, they had a good season against Georgetown. And then some players transferred. We probably shouldn't expect them to have a very good season. But when you look at how they performed at the start, although not playing against any terrific teams, they beat Duquesne, they beat Montana State, and they beat Brown University, and a loss to Southern Illinois, and then two ranked matches against UCLA and Tennessee that they dropped by double digits. 
Following that, with a five-game win streak, this team is a streaky team. A team that could make something happen if they want to. Most of their losses, outside of the two they lost most recently on the 27th to the Washington um, to Washington and to Washington, uh, Washington State, outside of those two games, their other six losses are all to ranked opponents. Because what you'll see, I mean, outside Southern Illinois, in conference games, what you're seeing is that these Colorado Buffaloes are making the most out of the games that they don't want to win. At, I mean, that that they that they need to win, and that's going to show when you get to the conference tournament because. Once they play their remaining eight games and go into the Pac-12 tournament, they will have the opportunity to make some noise because they will beat a bad team or two. And then you're just up to two games against pretty good teams. And if they can figure out a way to pull those out, the Buffaloes will be on track to make the NCAA tournament. Not that many are seeing them go. There are a lot of good teams in the Pac-12 this year, probably the most we've had in a long time. We have UCLA, who was just ranked third in the AP poll today. We have the Arizona Wildcats, who despite a few losses, have been pretty good. And we have USC, who's led by Mobley, the brother of Evan Mobley. And those teams, while they're both good, CU has also had to play Tennessee, another ranked team. Ranked teams are the death of the Colorado Buffaloes men's basketball team. But you will see a resurgence from them come the Pac-12 tournament. Moving on to... A team that has surprised a lot of people, but have just unfortunately had a very, very bad downfall, the women's basketball team for Colorado Boulder. I was doing research on the women's basketball team because I'm, if we're being honest, I don't pay attention to Colorado women's basketball um, in Boulder as much because they usually have pretty good seasons and I just wait for the Pac-12 tournament to roll around, but they have surprised a lot of teams in what they were able to do in the early months and so I click on their schedule and I'm trying to see okay how have they done have they beat any really good teams they started the season 13 and 0 13 straight victories they were ranked 22 after 13-0 which personally I believe they should be ranked higher if you have beat every single team you've gone against they beat good teams they beat Marquette they went up against Wisconsin and they beat them they beat San Francisco, who's having a dominant men's basketball season. They beat USC, who sometimes makes noise in women's basketball. And they were doing that so well, and I was like, sweet. I'm going to talk about them on this podcast. It's going to be great. I'm going to say how awesome their entire team has been doing. I've noticed a lot of really good things coming from them watching back the highlights. I was looking at how their forwards were playing, specifically in Maya Hollingshed and uh, Peanut uh, Tweedalay, I don't know exactly how you say it, but I think it's uh, it might be Tweedalay. But they were playing terrific. They were shooting very good from three. Quay Miller was playing well. Jalen Sherrod and Frida Foreman were playing really well as the as the main guards. And then I check back recording the podcast, and they've lost five of six games. Uh, they went on a five game losing streak against Stanford, Oregon State, Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah before finally winning an overtime away game against the Utah Utes, 66-62. And now they're in a very bad position, and I was trying to figure out, okay, is this the downfall for Colorado sports? And looking back, I don't think so. I think that the CU 
women's basketball Buffaloes have a very good shot to still make their tournament. And it's led by Maya Holingshed, realistically. 30 minutes a game, which is a lot considering how some of these players are probably going to want to play. They're young guys if you're blowing out teams, but 14 and 7 on a steal and a block per game, shooting 40% from three is phenomenal. I personally believe that she's one of the top players in women's college basketball. And it's very tough to get lost in the record of everything because that's exactly what I talked about with the with the Buffaloes. But then I looped back and said, well, maybe they have a chance to make the make the Pac-12 tournament and pull it back and try and make a, make a run at the NCAA tournament. Women's basketball, I have no worries about, despite losing five of six games. Because they have some games coming up that I believe they can win pretty, pretty handily. They had already beat Stanford earlier in the year. You got Cal, which, although they're pretty good in the Pac-12, Pac-12 games, they're not going to go out there and put up a terrific fight against you because as the away team women's college basketball here is still four and three they still have a winning record but as the home team being 10 and two you're going to win your next two games against washington and washington state you're going to finish the season on two wins against oregon and oregon state so it's just about going to california and playing cal and ucla and usc and stanford and trying to win those games and get as high of a seat as possible. And that's going to be led by Holding Shed. Quay Miller is a terrific inside player, 54% from the field. I don't have many gripes with this women's basketball team, and I don't think that they can go anywhere else but up. And if we start to see a higher losing streak, I don't really care, to be honest, because Maya Holding Shed is going to lead this team far, very, very far. And she, she's going to be the person that, that, that takes them all the way. If, if they're going to make the tournament, they're going to. And you've got, you got Quay Miller, who's going to go into her senior year next year. And I'm feeling good. The guard duo is a sophomore in Frida Foreman. And she's been playing great. And we have a junior in Jalen Sherrod, who, although not shooting terrifically, is a great defensive player in the backcourt. I personally believe that women's basketball for the CU Buffaloes they ha- they have a good future ahead of them and they will go out there and play to the top their top potential and i'm not worried moving on to a sport that i was surprised to realize that colorado boulder didn't have it was baseball because uccs baseball is what we will be talking about now i would be lying if i said that i i wasn't excited for mountain lion mountain lion baseball because they made they made the regional championships last year and they won the RMAC, thirty and thirteen. They were just they were third in the RMAC, so they had to go through Colorado Mesa, who eventually eliminated them in the NCAA tournament, and Metro State, who they were behind. But it was their best mark in program history, and they're losing not that many terrific players. They're going to be losing some of their top power hitters. We got players like. You know, Evan Richards, who was a junior who transferred. We have Jake Anderson, who graduated. Matt McDermott was a terrific player. They led in RBIs, hits, and total bases, which is something that you don't want to see. But it leaves room for the up-and-coming athletes. And that's how you keep a program so consistent. When it comes to baseball, teams like Arkansas and Washington State, they do a terrific job at moving past players that leave and saying, all right, you're the next man up. That next man up mentality is what I believe Dave Hajek 
the head coach, and Mountain Lions will be running forward with. They will have senior infielder Jaden Hegman. They will have senior outfielder Aaron Faragala. And they'll have junior infielder Kichi Sato, who had terrific numbers from the plate in their limited time last year. And I believe that they can fill those holes perfectly. And that's just from the batting side, because pitching UCCS was pretty, pretty good. They had 15 saves on a 5.97 ERA, which was third in the RMAC. Uh, in co- collegiate baseball, you probably look at that ERA and realize, oh, that's not very good. MLB teams are putting up much better numbers, and you know, 5.97 would be terrible for a reliever. But the RMAC is filled with power hitters, especially from UCCS. But when you look at teams like Black Hill State, you go out and you look at you know, Mesa, Metro State, but also Colorado School of Mines, power hitting is what they do. And having 15 saves on a, on a six ERA is pretty good, is something inspiring. They will be without some of their top relievers due to transfers in Hayden Salvarada and Nate Jenkins graduating. But that does open the field for juniors like J.J. Ritz to come through and make a solid effort. Five earned runs all season and 2-1 record last year for Ritz. He's going to be their premier closer slash reliever slash premier pitcher. It's kind of tough to figure out exactly where they're going to play. But hey, Jack, I just quoting him right now. It's a similar routine that we do every year, getting out in the field and practicing the fundamentals, which is inspiring knowing that the Mountain Lions went 54 for 63 on stolen bases. They're going to try hard as often as they possibly can. And I am not worried about the Mountain Lions in their efforts. I won't be worried about anything until they show us that they're not going to perform. And I don't personally believe that's going to happen. They will be starting out the season in just four days from when this podcast is being recorded. From when it's released, maybe they will be added against Montana State Billings in a two-day, four-game series. Oh, apologies. That was last year's. (laughs) They will be going at it four days from now against Cal Poly uh, Pomona in a three-day, four-game series um, in California, Pomona, California. Then they'll follow that up with a four-game series against San Francisco State before two Pueblo games, four games against the University of Mary, and then finally going and moving into RMAC play against New Mexico Highlands, a team that was pretty solid last year in the games that they were given. But again, I believe that if the Mountain Lions can pick up anything from these games, it's that even with losing players, you can still figure out a way to have a winning formula. And I think that that's what Dave Hajek and the remainder of his players have in mind. Now for the final sport we will be covering as for spring sports that are going to be entering, Mountain Lion Softball. Now Mountain Lion Softball last year was not terrific. They went 17-25, and 25, which was 9th out of 13, their lowest ranking in 5 years. But when you look at what they can possibly go out there and do, they're adding 9 new freshmen to their rotation. They will be missing a top player in Brianna Santos, who was their home run and hit leaders, and... Their top players are not going to be leaving. Solana Martinez, Mia Perez, and Morgan Hernandez-Balou are all going to be returning to the lineup. They appeared in every game last year. And a couple of these players just need to figure out how to get more playing time. And I believe that when it comes to the coaches, when it comes to the coaching, sorry, when it comes to the coaching 
in which uh, Ricky Roth at Bauer Stubbs entering her seventh season of UCCS softball. She's about discipline. And if players are going to give 110% and they're going to come to the plate and attempt to get on base no matter what, at, at what cost, they are going to have the opportunity to put up a lot of runs. They were above average at the plate. They were in the top half in hits, RBIs, and home runs and slugging percentage last year. UCCS is, has never been doubted as being a bad team from the plate, but it's just come from their pitching, which they are going to be retaining three of their four pitchers used in Lexi Rayburn, Gabriella Cronin, and Braylon Crenshaw, while adding first-year pitcher Mackenzie Ruckoff. When they do that, they were dead last with zero total saves last year. It's the end game. That's what it's been with all the Colorado sports I've been talking about. It's the end game. 5.53 earned run average. It was not terrific for batting last year in softball, but zero saves is just where you get hung up on because closing games is all that baseball is about because everything can change in the span of an inning because there's no time limit. It's just runs. It's just outs. If you get on base with zero outs, and that next person gets a hit, and that next person gets a hit, and so on and so forth. You can score as many runs as you want. There is no limit. So I really hope that the Mountain Lions can turn things around. Um, if they can turn around and make the RMAC tournament, it'll be their first time in three seasons that they'll be going out there and doing it. Last appearance in 2019 with a 7-5 loss to the Colorado School of Mines ending their 2019 campaign. I'm I'm excited. I'm, I'm very excited for... Mountain Lions softball, again, they will also be going with a February 4th two-game doubleheader against Humboldt State University starting on, yeah, February 4th. And then they'll go into their first appearance in the LCU Softball Classic, a four-team invitational tournament beginning on February 12th, taking place in Lubbock, Texas. And it's their first time in the LCU Softball Classic. This is where they can make a name for themselves. And I am very excited to see where they can go with this. Now we're going to be moving on with remaining time. I'm noticing we have around six minutes, maybe seven minutes left. Let's talk about the sports that are going on professionally. We will be starting with the Denver Nuggets because the Denver Nuggets, I think, are the team that people are paying most attention to with the Broncos just entering their offseason. I will be talking about that in a few minutes, but the Broncos are entering their offseason. The Avalanche are currently in the middle of their season. And the Rockies are currently locked out with how Rob Manfred and the MLB are displaying things. But we will start with how the Denver Nuggets have been performing. Most recently, the Denver Nuggets have been terrific. They start out the season sort of rocky and they've been trying to figure out their groove. But they're 28-21 and 21 right now and they're currently riding a five-game win streak. They beat the Pistons twice and then they beat two premier teams in the Nets and the Bucks smushed in between a nine-point Pelicans victory. I am very impressed with the help that has been given from superstar Nikola Jokic. He is leading his team in all five major stat categories, averaging 26 points per game, 13.5 rebounds, 8 assists, 1.5 steals, and nearly a block per game. That is phenomenal. He's leading the NBA in PER, which is player efficiency rating, basically showing how valuable a player is to your team. And with the injury to Jamal Murray, you start to wonder, okay, how is this team going to even attempt to contend with the level of play in the West if he doesn't have the help? And 
What I say to that is the help that he's been given has been pretty solid. I think Will Barton is having a phenomenal year with 15, 5, and 4. I think Aaron Gordon is making his mark from the three-point line. Monte Morris is having career numbers. They drafted Bones Highland, who's been pretty good in his 37 appeared games. And they just picked up DeMarcus Cousins, who can play backup center if they don't want to run Jermichael Green. And now that Bull Bull is gone, it makes sense. I believe that the Denver Nuggets can go as far as the conference finals, though. I don't think this is a finals contender until they get Jamal Murray back. We've seen in recent years, especially last year with how Giannis Antetokounmpo played, we've seen that you can win a championship by just having a superstar. And Jokic is a superstar. But the level of help that Giannis had with Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday doesn't match up to Will Barton and Aaron Gordon. So... You're going to need Jamal Murray back if you want to contend, but I don't think that this team is absolutely dead in the water just yet. They just beat the, the defending champions by a, a wide margin. They just beat the Milwaukee Bucks by how much was it? 36 points? 36 points, and Jokic barely even played. He had 28 out of the 48 minutes and only shot nine times. Aaron Gordon was playing great. Bryn Forbes, late trade acquisition, 14 points. In a revenge game, I guess, against Milwaukee. But they shot 70% from the line. But most importantly, 53% from three. I'm not worried about the Nuggets. I think that they can make it extremely far. Just not far enough to compete until they get their help back. We will be talking next about the Colorado Avalanche. A very, very good team. Probably the best team that Colorado has to offer yet. They're leading the Western Conference with 67 points in the Central Division, and in the entire league, wow, they are tied for first with the Florida Panthers. They've had a phenomenal home record. They are 20 wins, two draws, I'm sorry, two losses, and one draw, um, which is phenomenal, and they're riding a 10-game win streak into the remainder of these games. This is obviously how you get to see some of the players react. I am not a very big hockey fan, but I realize that watching the team play, Players like Nathan McKinnon. Miko Radnan is a player that I have seen a lot, and he's got 53 points. He's 135 shots, and McKinnon's got 137, and Nazem Kadri with 18 goals and 41 assists, leading the team in points, leading the team in shots. He is the guy that's kind of making the effort to keep this team high. Now, they didn't exactly have a terrific ending last year, the Golden Knights, but I don't think that anything's going to slow them down right now. A 10-game win streak and going into the remainder of their schedule, which will be rode out until the 29th. They got games against teams like the Coyotes. They got the Lightning. They got two games against the Dallas Stars, who, while I like the flashes they've shown, I don't think that Tyler Seguin has what it takes to be that next star. And I would like to remind you, outside of their loss against Nashville 5-4 in overtime, they should realistically be on a 15-game win streak. So, I, I, I am a big Avalanche supporter. As much as I don't watch them play, I am a big supporter of the Avalanche. And what you get with the Avalanche is what you see. And I think that the middle is where they're going. Their goalkeeping has been great. They don't allow many goals unless you're going up against, like, really, really really talented offensive teams like the Chicago Blackhawks are going up against you know Nashville Predators Seattle even put up a few things against them Toronto Maple Leafs of course they have some terrific terrific play um I 
believe that. And again, you know, they 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 they've had a few games against the Oilers, and you got to go up against Connor McDavid. That's a little tough. So go Avalanche. That's that that that's how I believe that they're doing. They have my full support going forward, and I don't think that many teams are going to stop them come playoff time. Um, and if that does happen, maybe it's time to to change some up. But we're going to finish things off with the Denver Broncos because the Super Bowl comes up in a few weeks and we're about to have some free agency news. And I think it's about time that the Broncos move on from their quarterback. And I think we know who they're getting (laughs) outside of, um, Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater is really nothing. So you got to draft one or you have to trade for one. And they just got their head coach as Green Bay offensive coordinator, Nathaniel Hackett. I think that Aaron Rodgers is going to Denver. I will say right now, I am a Green Bay Packers fan. I've been a Green Bay Packers fan my entire life, and I don't like what's going on with our roster, but it seems as though with quarterbacks coach Luke Gentry leaving Green Bay as well, that the Broncos are set up for Rodgers to come via trade, and you will have to give up a lot. You'll have to give up probably at least four first and second round picks combined including maybe a premier player. If you fully believe that Devontae Adams will be on his way to Denver as well, you will have to probably give up Jerry Judy. If they want Tim Patrick, you give up Tim Patrick because you're getting a player that is most likely going to win his second straight MVP at what I'm saying is the peak of his career, and you're getting a wide receiver who was just voted a unanimous All-Pro. Give up whatever you want to get this quarterback. And your defense is already terrific because you have players like Justin Simmons and even though Von Miller's gone you got Bradley Chubb rushing off the edge Patrick Sertain if it wasn't for Micah Parsons would probably be the defensive rookie of the year um unless you know you're looking at Nate Hobbs and Quiddy Pay and really good defensive rushers but I personally believe that the Broncos have a very solid front coming to them and I don't think that there's going to be that much hesitancy in acquiring a quarterback. Because even if they don't get Aaron Rodgers, you will have the opportunity to go into the draft with the pick that you have and maybe get one of the top quarterbacks. I know a lot of people are saying that this draft isn't a very good one for quarterbacks, but I've been impressed with what I've seen from Sam Howell and Kenny Pickett, not really Matt Corral. Um, Malik Willis, I think, is great for Denver, another scrambling quarterback, but... What I will say for Denver is that acquiring premier quarterbacks has been a strategy that works. So that's going to be it for the first episode of the Colorado Sports Podcast. Wrapping it up, if you would like to check out the UCCS Scribe newspaper, please go to scribe.uccs.edu. If you want to check out more podcasts here on Spotify, we have a, a, a lot. We have a variety of extremely good podcasts. My favorite one is Cosmic Cannibal. And I really suggest you check that out. Um, Otherwise, that probably wraps it up for episode one. I will be seeing you for episode two uh, as soon as I can get it out. Maybe we'll get some news. Maybe we'll talk about more things with uh, the Buffaloes. Maybe they'll finally be able to uh, overcome the humps that they've been going over. Maybe UCCS baseball and softball are going out to terrific starts. Let's see if we can be going over that. We might be integrated in different sports, but thank you so much for listening and I appreciate it. Have a wonderful day. Peace.